0: Just go to
2: Cars.com.
0: It's magical.
2: A new head coach and boy genius, Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen. iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some Dolphins.
1: What's up again, Dolphin fans? Welcome in to a brand new episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts, which means I am joined by the one, the only, the greatest co-host in the world, Jake Mendel. Jake, it's been a while since we talked, but there is pretty
2: much to discuss. How have you been, man? I'm good, man. I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful weekend. It's beautiful outside. Um, I know there's been a little bit of rain down south, so I hope you guys are handling that all right. Josh, there is so much going on. I can't believe it's taken us this long to come in and talk about it. We got Sassy Tua. We got OTA starting up. I mean, where do we begin? I think today we're going to get into five players we're going to want to track throughout camp. But a uh, couple guys who uh, were pretty big to the Dolphins in this rebuild, uh, we're hoping finishes sometime soon, uh, retired a couple days ago. So we had Ryan and Fitzpatrick and uh, Frank Gore both decided to retire. It was announced earlier this week. So, Josh, what did you think when you heard those names uh, and retirement? I don't mean to be rude, but about time, right? I mean, we kind of all,
1: we expected them all to eventually hang it up. I mean, we remember Frank Gore coming in that, was it just one season with Adam Gase? Either way, he came in here, uh, hometown boy, played a pivotal role in that team. And then uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. I mean, I have written down here. I had Jacoby Brissett on my radar in that offseason. You know, Teddy Bridgewater. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the perfect quarterback, man. He helped turn this team around, like you mentioned, played a pivotal role in just the Dolphins team we're seeing right now. Um, But I guess I really wasn't surprised. You know, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's 39 years old. Frank Gore's getting up there. So um, better days ahead for them, I think. I think Frank Gore's boxing now, isn't he?
2: I was actually gonna say, I mean, after I think in his first match he was knocked, knocked. out. So I, well, knocked, I, th- I think
1: he knocked somebody out in another match. There was a video of him knocking someone out too, oh, so, so that's
2: a comeback. All yes. right. I like, that. I so like he, that. He's a
1: pretty badass, and I think they said Fitzpatrick's already getting, uh, you know, looked at by Amazon and some of those other broadcast companies. So. Um, not really surprised man. but I think the last time we saw Fitzpatrick, wasn't he showing his nips off there in Buffalo in like a yep. cold playoff game or something? So uh, my heart broke a little bit seeing that because, you know, once he was a Dolphin, that's kind of the memory you want to re- remember. But dude, this guy's been all over the league, played for what, five or six different teams. I think everybody in the AFC East except for
2: the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Actually, both of them, both Fitzpatrick and, and Frank Gore played for <laughs> every right. team in the AFC yeah. East except for uh, New England. But They hate New bad- England
1: too. I think that's what we just learned here. <laughs>
2: hey man it's very it's a very common thing and, and you know, we can't really blame him but i think it's so funny to look back at fitzpatrick's career just the different ups and downs i mean you think about that jets team he almost took to the playoffs just to lose the final week of the season i think he had three interceptions um you know those teams as dolphin fans i mean it was kind of cool Brandon marshall eric decker um uh, then he has that stint in tampa bay josh where you know he's wearing deshaun jackson's chain he's kind of being a baller he's got a great team around him and he you know he's battling with james winston some fun teams and then he comes to miami josh and, and he kind of changed the complete direction of the rebuild uh because when you think about it that team was not supposed to win What? what was it five games they finished strong at five of last nine or something along those lines. So Josh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because, you know, you see teams do it every year, tear it down. The Browns did it a couple of times The you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars have had the first uh, overall pick in two drafts in a row. Do you feel that maybe not, tearing it completely down having a standard that you can win with kind of like what Detroit's doing now with Jared Goff like not saying that these are good players but having that foundation of hey we're not going to get stomped out 30 to 10 every week we have an offense that can do something we can kind of develop a standard do you think that kind of helped the Dolphins find the rhythm despite you know a whole other conversation would be about you know where you landed in the draft class but in terms of the young guys that on that team I mean Nick Needham was a baller that year
1: yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody truly thought the Dolphins were going to come in and even win that many games that season. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's a testament to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I again thought t- Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett. This was what, 2019? Those guys, I was a big Bridgewater fan, huge Brissett fan. And uh, again, they went the right move with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, at the time, I don't think anybody thought, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's coming in here to, you know, win games or even turn this franchise right. around. But again, I mean this team kind of just rallied around him and his energy. I mean, you talk about Mike is He just talks about, you know, how much Ryan Fitzpatrick meant to him that rookie year, all the other young players, it wasn't his rookie season. It was a soft, it was a soft. Yeah, I'm
2: going to say, man, you're, you're kind of right though. Cause Gasicki's had the development. I mean, he started as a squirtle. He couldn't block shit. And then his second <laughs> he, year, he, he have, still might,
1: he still might not be able to block shit.
2: <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. And then he evolves into the war turtle and he gains all this confidence with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, and, and I think that's kind of the big thing, you know, we're hoping he can become that Blastoise. but I think it's so important to have those guys that can inject confidence into the younger players and let them know, Hey, you might make a couple mistakes, but I mean. You need to have a lot of confidence to do what Gusecki does in terms of the contested catches. I think he has the second most behind Mark Andrews over the last two years. So it's just kind of interesting to see so many different people talk about Fitzpatrick. I mean, Devontae Parker had that incredible year with him. Uh, they, they beat the Patriots in Week 17, man. There's, there was a lot to like about the Fitzpatrick era. And I think uh, just a dude who puts a smile on your face.
1: He does. And I think we're all going to remember, you know, some of those plays His face literally getting ripped off and him completing that pass against the Raiders. What was it to Matt Collins down the sideline to eventually win that game. He was nine and 11 as the Dolphins starter, Jake. Um, completed 494 of 769 passes for 5,620 yards at 33 touchdowns and 21 interceptions with the Dolphins. But my favorite stat, Jake, was in 2019, led the team with 243 yards on yes. the ground on 54 carries. So, again, played 17 seasons, threw for 34,990 yards, 223 total touchdowns, 169 interceptions, and played for the Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, Jets, St. Louis Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, and the Washington football team. So again, man, yeah. thank you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, did he ever win a playoff game? He probably didn't, right? I mean, I don't think he's probably ever had that type well, of I mean, as a backup, well, right?
2: We haven't, we haven't even discussed his best play, his best pass. And and that was technically, if we want to be real nitty-gritty, it was a playoff game for the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you you forgot one of his statistics where he's the He threw the farthest pass without looking in the direction of the actual pass in the NFL, that, that Raiders game. We have to mention that the Mac Holland streaking down the sideline. Uh, Then you add on the 15 yard penalty, man, that was just magic. And it it sums up his entire career right there.
1: It does. And uh, again, thank you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Thank you, Frank Gore. I mean, I wish Frank Gore was here more years so we could sit here and, you know, um, glamour over all the things he did, but, two veteran players that i mean they their role in miami was something that these young players took notice of and again who knows what what some of these guys meant i mean we didn't even talk about Tua to of a low. maybe this is the transition here but um you know part of me felt uh, I guess disdain towards Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, when the whole quarterback battle and the he say was coming out. But let's be honest, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick seemed to be the perfect pro. Tua Valoa loved having him there to rely on. So I know again, being a Tua stand, I'm sitting here looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit negative. But I again what he meant for this team. And again, Tua Valoa, man meant the world of a difference. And I don't know, man. Would Tua have had that same swag in camp this week if uh you know he didn't have that year or two under Ryan Fitzpatrick. What are your thoughts?
2: See, I think that's so interesting because you know some people did get kind of annoyed, like, Hey, you know, you got to support your quarterback. He's the starter. You shouldn't be saying that, but like, think about the guys Tua has played for think about how intense his father is. You had Nick Saban. I mean, Brian Flores. we hear about how intense these guys are. I think having Fitzpatrick and that little bit of uh, sugar with the spice and everything nice. Uh, I think that really did help. I think we're seeing that we're seeing that confidence of, Hey, uh, I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I feel but I'm actually also going to tell you what I know and what's right. And I think that's the whole Fitzpatrick uh, story there. And it's the same thing, man. Like what players or you know, people were mad about Tannehill saying he didn't want to, um, you know, groom a rookie or whatever it may be. And it's like, these guys are competitors. These guys are so intense. They want to win. But I mean, neither Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill are going to like, walk off the field and just flip off to a, or, or, you know, whoever it may be on the sideline, right. They're going to sit there. They're going to talk things out. I mean, and that's just kind of the way it goes.
1: That is the way it goes, Jake. And I, you mentioned a little bit at the top of the podcast, but the big rumor, you know, the big news surrounding the Miami dolphins and those last two weeks of OTAs, I think they're back tomorrow for the voluntary workouts. But anyway, the biggest thing surrounding this team was dr- to a tongue of Valoa's comments after the one practice. Uh, I think he hit a 55 yarder to Tyree kill. Then a 69 yarder beat writers were praising him, you know, but he was sitting there. He was asked about, it, and he's like, I don't know about you guys, but it looked like I could throw the deep ball there. And he just had this swagger, Jake. So give me your thoughts on that because again, um, he's in shorts. He didn't have the bucket hat on this time, but Dolphin fans, you know, whether it's a bad throw or a good throw, we're blowing these things out of proportion because it's June, baby.
2: <laughs> what else are we going to do in June? Hey, for me, I kind of, Take everything with a grain of salt when, like, either someone's jazzed up. But, but for me, when Pete Prisco said the Dolphins hit some long passes, they looked really good today, dude. Pete Prisco, That's I've never heard him say anything positive about anyone. He, you know, he was a beat writer for the Jags. He did not have a lot to celebrate. So for him to kind of come out and say the Dolphins had a good practice, that was kind of it for me. Uh, I mean, Josh, I think the big thing here, and I think this is kind of where the disconnect is, is. I think it can both be true that Tua's arm, you know, isn't the strongest in the world and there's limitations to the passes he can make. And you're a professional quarterback in the NFL. If you're given the time, if, if all the situation is perfect, you can still hit that wide open guy. I think there is a middle ground here, uh, but, but to kind of see him do this, man, I guess, you know, you'd rather have him doing it than not, you know, just missing all the time. Cause I think there was a little Ryan Tannehill uh, missing a lot of deep balls, if I remember correctly in, in camps.
1: Oh, for sure. That was just a Ryan Tannehill way. But um, yeah, you're right, man. You take everything with a grain of salt, but you'd much rather hear that he's connecting with Tyree Hill You know, you saw the placement yeah. on the pass, right? I mean, Igbenogany looked like he was in perfect coverage. We'll talk about him a little bit later, Jake. But uh, Tua making it rain, and a lot of the success this season is going to have to do with that. You mentioned him not having that strong of an arm. And I thought it was interesting that head coach Mike McDaniel said in his press conference, you know, these guys don't have to go out there and be able to throw the ball 70, 80 yards Great. because Point unless down. they have the greatest offensive line in the history of the NFL and they're playing the worst defense, Defense. That just doesn't happen. So um, again, it was just something that for as much as you hear Tua doesn't, you know, listen to the keyboard warriors and, you know, the critics and things. This to me made it sound like he's been, you know, hanging on to this and he wanted to go out there and just prove the world wrong, right? I mean, he sounds like he has a chip on his shoulder and um, none of it's going to go away until he goes out there and does these things. And as of now, this is all he can do is go out there and light the world on fire and meaningless OTAs.
2: no but it is it is fun to see it is really cool to you know hear that he is completing these passes and Tyreek Hill's been involved we've seen Jalen Waddle catch some so I'm I'm very interested to see this offense man and I keep going back to that Mike McDaniel quote about his time in Washington about how his you know he's not used to running any of the RPO stuff him Kyle Shanahan none of those guys used to do it um I think Sean McVay was on that staff I think Mike McDaniel yeah duh um (laughs) just walking in circles here but um they talked about how they never did any RPO stuff and they just spent the summer learning and understanding. So I keep going back to the show we did a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about, you know, that San Francisco offense. It's going to be so cool to see the intricacies that, you know, Mike McDaniel is going to take from San Fran, but he grinds through those summer months. He is kind of building his offense from scratch. It seems like around his personnel. And we've heard that a few times over. So I'm really, really interested to see where that line is, where we do, you know, maybe, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if we see Tua's, you know, average depth per pass, those things start to go up a little bit. Um, and two, you wonder how how much they're going to kind of lean into that run game, especially with, you know, you signed three guys in the offseason. So there's a lot of different directions this offense is going in. And I think that's kind of the way you want it to be uh, compared to last season where it was, hey, we're going to dink, we're going to dunk, we're going to play to Tua's strengths. But instead of playing to the strengths of a whole team or playing against the weaknesses of a, you know, opposing defense, we're stuck doing, you know, just this.
1: Yeah, Jake, I mean, that's one of the things I love about Mike McDaniel. You hear that he's this offensive, you know, wizard, mastermind. But he's not coming in here saying we're going to run San Francisco's scheme down to a T. He's pulling from his skill players, building this offense from what these players do best. And again, man, I'm so excited to see it. You mentioned the run game. And, you know, we know how effective that is, how it sets up the passing play, especially in a Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel type offense. So um, you had written down here five players to track throughout camp we went through this together and kind of put together a list, but two players that you have on this list are running backs. One is Miles Gaskin, uh, former seventh round draft pick. And the other is veteran running back, Sony Michelle, who, again, I love that signing when it happened. So uh, you had both these players down to watch drought camp. Give me your thoughts on why you have, them on this list, and I know we all see those Chase Edmonds uh, hype videos, man. I mean, I think he has the same trainer as Tua Tagovailoa, so we're going to be eating those up. I mean, that dude looks like he's ready to be an RB1, but fantasy football enemy is telling me to temper my expectations. But give me your thoughts, man. Miles Gaskin, Sony Michelle, why are those two players to track in camp this year?
0: This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay.
1: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... Just go to lay snack dot com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4 3 2023. Void whatever hipdom. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at lay snack dot com.
2: Josh, I think it's so it's gonna be so different to track opportunities this year because I think the way the Dolphins have done it in camp is that in the past they've actually iced their starter, at least for the beginning. Um and we stuck with the, the generic, you know, uh things we heard in what march when signings are made you know it's the thunder and lightning every year we heard that and, and it never kind of boiled out that way i think it's going to be a little different because you can line up four guys on this dolphins um, running back group and they all could in theory start right some are going to be better than others obviously but i think what they're going to try to do man is is try to ride a hot hand for a couple of weeks and adjust based on defenses the issue, though, is when you think about the fact they signed someone to a decent deal like Alec Ingold, right? They are going to use a fullback. And if you have, what, four tight ends who all could make it, you know, you just signed Durham Smythe to New Deer. Gaseki, excuse me, is being paid as a top five tight end. Uh, Adam Shaheen's still flirting around. Uh, and then you have Hunter Long, who you traded up for. So there's not going to be a lot of spots here. So I'm very interested to see. If you know the team's hand is forced in a situation like this, and in reality, Josh, I really wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Miles Gaskin. The way the uh, practice squad rules have kind of ballooned over the last couple of years, be one of those guys that the Dolphins could, you know, keep there and have him ready to go. He's a true professional. He'll always be ready. He's someone I actually wouldn't be surprised to have to stop step in two, three weeks. And hey, he's gonna do what he does. He's very consistent. He's like Frank Gore, man. If you need two yards, he's gonna get you three. If you need four yards, he's gonna get you three. So the way those practice squad rules have kind of changed over the last couple of years, uh, they, they don't need in any terms of limits and in terms of age or or how long they've been in the NFL. And you can also prevent four guys every week from being poached and, and signed to other teams, active rosters. So to me, I think that unless Miles Gaskin has the camp of his life, I'm wondering if him and Sonny Michelle are going to be battling for one spot. And, you know, there's a pathway to Miles Gaskin still starting five, six games as starting as one of those practice squad guys and seeing how the dominoes start to fall.
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Jake. I wish we knew exactly how the practice squad is broken down because I remember a bunch of teams last season were keeping some of those veteran guys. I mean, at one point, I think Le'Veon Bell might have been on, you know, the practice squad because they were just waiting, you know, for when they needed him. So that's definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And I I do think they brought in Sony Michelle. I kind of, I know you asked here, you know, is there a world where Michelle is the odd back out? I really don't know if there is. I mean, I think Mike McDaniel liked what he saw there. Again, this is a guy that has had success, can run between the tackles and does a little bit different things than maybe some of those other running backs. But um, to think that it could come down to Miles Gaskin, Sony Michelle, you know, Salvinok Med's name's got to be in there too, right? I mean, those are all guys Mm -hmm. that are probably fighting for that one spot. And then you got guys like Zikandre White and um, Jared Dokes who could be fighting for practice squad spots. So loaded room. But again, as we said, I think we joked even when the Dolphins were first, even considering the idea of Mike McDaniel, that he is the kind of guy that he can come in here uh, you know, bring this offense, uh, get his system in place fix that offensive line. And we could see Jared Dokes rushing for a thousand yards. So um, it's going to be, you know, like you mentioned the hot hand they're going to ride, but I think we are going to see it be a little bit different than what we might've expected from, you know, Brian Flores when he came out there with Malcolm Brown starting or Jordan Howard. I mean, I think they signed chase Emmons, believe it or not to be that, you know, quote unquote RB one. And then they'll let some of those other guys know when Mostert's healthy, he might jump into that snap count, you know, and again, Sony Michelle is the perfect short yardage back. So um, I'm excited for this unit, man. I mean, I it's June. We're excited for every unit on this roster. We think it's an upgrade, but um, I'm excited. And that's definitely a matchup I'm going to be watching because Air Sudville's still around, right? I mean, he has to think the world of Miles Gaskin. He has to think the world of Salvin Ahmed. When Gaskin had the touches, when he got the targets, he looked like a pretty damn good running back. So um, I'm interested, man.
2: Another one I have written down here, uh, you mentioned him a little while ago, and that's Noah Ibnagadi. I mean, there's a couple different aspects. Um, is there? Are we reaching a point where Chris Greer is going to have to admit he was wrong on this pick and, and kind of just bite the bullet there? Are we going to see a situation where, you know, Brian Flores, you have a different attitude in that defensive room? Actually, you know, it, that's yet to be seen, but, you know, maybe he has a little more confidence going into his third year. And Josh, I mean, To say that the Dolphins, you know, cornerback might be their biggest strength is true. But I mean, we saw what happened when they were out, you know, that Jaguars game. You don't lose to the Jaguars unless both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are out. So I think there's going to be opportunities. I think a very fun battle will be Noah Igbenogany versus Nick Needham. But I still think there's going to be, you know, whether it's the first week or, or the fifth week, a chance to see if Igbenogany can become that guy to actually rely on just a, a little bit so I think this is going to be a very interesting uh player to watch especially having to deal with you know the Jalen Waddles and Tyreek Kills of the world if we're hearing his name I mean it's either going to be really good or really bad and that's it that's what I have for analysis
1: yeah and early on you know it has sounded like it's mostly good that we've heard from Noeg Benogni. you see the different pictures that the team puts out I mean he's looking yoked as all hell you mentioned Chris Greer meant his mistake if I was Chris Greer I would blame that right on Brian Flores, right? <laughs> I remember those articles coming out. Uh, he was in, you know, the the Auburn room, you know, kind of drawing up plays for the defense. So I'm going to put that all on him. But dude, it would be so nice to have Noeg Benogany come out here and be that corner that I think the Dolphins thought they were going to draft. You know, I still go back to him. And I think they were drafted Noeg Benogany signed Byron Jones because they thought that this Xavier Howard thing would not settle. And they were honestly maybe even thinking of moving on from him. So mm-hmm. um, I, that didn't work out clearly. But what we're seeing from Noeg Benogany is a guy, you know, he's making plays. Travis Wingfield said he had a pass break. Up on that Jalen waddle on a Jalen waddle play we saw him in perfect coverage on tyree kill and again man he has patrick satan and sam madison teaching him so um yeah, we could sit here and say how plug and play brian flores was with that defense you know how great he was with that secondary all of that is true but josh boyer was also a secondary's coach and now you brought in two of the most prolific corners in all of miami dolphins history to what uh help take this no young what 22 23 year old player to the next level I'm excited, man. If he could hold his own and go to battle against Nick Needham, who again, uh, Nick Needham's pretty freaking awesome. That would be great because um, when you look at that 2020 class, everyone's always going to look at Joe Burrow, you know, Tua Tungvaloa, Justin Herbert, but man, Noah Benogni Austin Jackson, those could have been different picks and this Dolphins team could look much different. So let's see if
2: Noah Igbenogny go out there and continue the success when the games matter. You mentioned Austin Jackson. Let's kind of stick on the offensive line because in terms of news or developments that we've seen from the Dolphins, this one might be the biggest that's kind of caught me off guard a little bit, even though some people were already whispering it. And that's um Connor Williams. The Dolphins signed him to a two-year, $14 million deal, uh, former Cowboy. Connor Williams said that he's expecting to play center for the Miami Dolphins. Josh, we spent you know months asking two questions. Is Michael Dieter going to grow a beard? Is there going to be competition for him? And I think we're starting to see the answer for both of those. And it's uh, not looking too great, especially if, you know, you you kind of take a a very good left guard and think, hey, he's never played center. Let's make some magic.
1: Yeah, this was definitely a surprise and kind of got swept under the radar because I think this was the exact same day when all the Tua stuff came out. Right, man. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff with Connor Williams is he was versatile. Everyone loved that. But I thought at least, you know, from the outside looking in, this was Michael Dieter's job, Dieter Dieter, the pump Dieter's job to lose. And it sounds almost like Connor Williams might have that inside battle. So he did take some snaps with the Dallas Cowboys in 2021 preseason. I had to mention he got into a scrum with Aaron Donald on hard knocks. He actually held his own. So uh, if you guys want to write, you know, yeah, uh, Connor Williams can defeat, Aaron Donald hand-to-hand combat or whatever. Go for it. Um, Started 51 (laughs) games with the Cowboys at and I think what it goes back to, Jake, is, you know, we look at these guys and a lot of them are versatile, but a lot of these young players don't have a position. And I think when you look at it, there were definitely more guards that you could figure out. You know, Rob Jones is around. Um, Solomon Kinley, our favorite. You know, Austin Jackson, perhaps. Liam Eikenberg, Michael Dieter. I mean, we could sit here and name guard after guard, but it was those tackle positions that we were most intrigued by. So I think that they see this with, again, a lot of these heads don't have a position. They can go out there and play guard. Why not try Connor Williams at center? And uh, I don't know, man, uh, for as dismal, I I mean, we haven't had center since what Mike Pouncey that we could truly rely on. So if this is what it takes, I mean, we haven't seen anything from Mike McDaniel not to trust him. Right. So um, I'm all in on Connor Williams, but Michael Dieter did grow some facial hair and, um, again, he seemed excited. So hopefully it's a legit battle because we need more legit battles in training camp, right? It's been so long since we had these battles, you know, one versus one, where people were tweeting out, you know, who was starting this day, you know, who had the upper hand this day. That's what I want. I want some of these training camp battles.
2: Uh, early June, give me your
1: starting five early June. I still feel like they should move Robert Hunt out to right. tackle. I still feel like he's the best right tackle in this roster. So I, I mean, I'm going to say here and say, so you move him to right tackle. Then that right guard would be what Austin Jackson. You know, Austin Jackson, then I would still do Dieter, Connor Williams, Teron Armstead. But even that Teron Armstead thing, man, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about that because, you know, he says he wants to be out there. He's coming along just fine, but he's had injury after injury throughout his career. And, you know, we signed him and immediately thought, you know, this offensive line's fixed. And if he's not out there, man, that can't be the case. But that would be my starting five. What about you? Yes, it's early. No one quote us on this, right?
2: (laughs) Um, I'm going to go Armstead Eichenberg. I think they got to try to, you know, you trade up for a guy a year ago. You got to try to shove him in there one way or another. Um, and then you got Williams at center, uh, right guard. I think you're going big Rob Hunt and and right tackle. I think Austin Jackson has is looking like the guy, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel had a quote, you know, we expect guys to perform at elite level in practice. And he said, Austin Jackson has been living up to that so far. So I, I think that'd be kind of a nice way to spin zone that pick of, Hey, you know, Austin Jackson, we drafted him to be the left tackle of the future, but in reality, we drafted him to block his blind side. That's the spin zone, if he can be the right tackle.
1: That's the spin zone. I mean, I, again, I, I think I'm just going based on, you know, I've been kind of dying on this hill slowly, that Robert Hunt was the best right tackle on the roster, but at the same time, I don't think you can move him after how great he looked last year. I mean, he was, without question, the Dolphins' best offensive lineman last season, right? I mean, so, um, dude, who was your center? I completely... Blanked out when you mentioned I, I the center. Williams. Was it, and you use Williams? Yes. I, I mean, I think yours is probably far more likely to happen. I had who did? Did I have Dieter starting? I, I'm not even a Dieter. Yeah. At set. And then what? Left guard was uh, Williams. I know and, you and had, right,
2: uh, yeah.
1: And then right guard yeah. was a uh, right guard. Right guard. Right car was Austin Jack, dude. I can't even remember who I That's said. That's a Boston so. accent going there, right? Boston. God. <laughs> oh god, we 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 did not want that. So man, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, right? I mean, it goes back to the quarterback position. Everyone's always saying, you know, how it's your Tua stand. You know, you need to see two, ski, at... dude. I don't care who it is. I don't care who goes out there and plays offensive line. I don't care who is that quarterback. I don't care what it takes for this Dolphins team to win. So if it's Connor Williams, Michael Dieter, I don't care, Jake. Pick one. The other guy we got to mention, and probably the last of our five. Right? Did we go through all five already? Oh no, we didn't. No, no, we we got, did we it. Two more. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all over the place. Do you, do you want to start talking about Preston Williams first? Because you always kind of set me up to sit here and do the Preston Williams thing, right?
2: You know, jump on the bandwagon again. I just can't do it. I'm going to leave that. We're leaving that in. You just set yourself up for it. So yeah, Preston Williams is our guy. Uh, this one, man, I think is going to be so, so interesting to watch uh, because he fits the ideal body type for what the dolphins are looking for. And I got to say, man, he caught four of five targets for a hundred yards and a touchdown against san francisco two years ago so somebody saw that somebody might have been taking notes um it's just another guy that you can line up uh on the inside and he's going to dominate against the linebacker he's strong enough to kind of burst past the safety so i've seen a couple highlights i've seen a couple of him you know do a massively cool out route and then just run into the end zone with the ball because hey it's the off season that's what we get uh but josh This could be one of those guys that, you know, come week three, week four, hey, breaking news, football's a physical sport, be thrown into action. Hey, Preston, we need a big game from you. And we already know he has that chemistry with Tua. So can he come back? Can he rebound from a brutal, brutal six of 16 targets last year? Yes, absolutely. Yes, he can. I I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I sure hope so, right? I mean, I again, it goes back to this. Every year, I've been kind of on this Preston Williams hype train. You mentioned it the best, though. You know, with Devontae Parker out of this lineup, yes, Cedric Wilson has some of that height. Yes, Micah Sicky is a mismatch nightmare, but Preston Williams fits that you know, quote unquote, wide receiver one that big body that can you know just out body out wrestle a defensive back and make plays and like you said uh, caught four or five catches for six yards and a touchdown versus the Cardinals we all got over the moon excited for that so he has the chemistry with Tua I think he can absolutely you know build on six to 16 targets but again the question goes back to can he remain healthy and then how is this matchup going to be throughout camp I mean there are so many wide receivers in this roster Trent Shurfield your boy River Crawlcraft who came over from San Francisco I still have hope for Lynn Bowden so lots of receivers lots of mouths to feed but again I think what's going to separate some of these guys guys is there's this mold of these, you know, quick, speedy, quote unquote, slot wide receivers. And there's not too many of those big body guys. So when you look at Preston Williams, he truly is this unicorn on this uh, roster, this receiving core. I think we might've, uh, I might've said that once before, but um, I think there is a way that he can go in there and build on that. And another player that has to build on that Jake and, you know, take the next step, especially with Mike is you know, contract issue lingering playing on the franchise tag this year, is Hunter Long, man. Caught one pass last season for eight yards. I think he was targeted twice. Did start a few games. I looked it up. He actually started a few games. That must have been 12 personnel, or, you know, the Dolphins were coming out looking to run the football with those two tight ends, three tight end sets. But, dude, Hunter Long, I don't think we've seen much of him. You mentioned Preston Williams in training camp. We're seeing him flash on some of these highlights. Haven't seen much of Hunter Long, man, but give me your thoughts on him heading into a pretty big season where the Dolphins need him to step up and be that all around tight end that they thought they were getting when they drafted him in the third round.
2: I think what's interesting about this list, man, I think there are three different players Hunter Long, Preston Williams, and Noah Igbenagani. Three guys that we can make the case, and I mean, not to just keep piling on, but I think all three of them were inside of Brian Flores' doghouse. And I think just that change of, you know, culture, and, and you know, it sounds so cliche, but just kind of, having a different approach for these guys, you wonder how much that's going to make a difference because this is another scenario, man. I don't know, especially if you're keeping a fullback on the roster, how many of these tight ends you can keep around. I'm going to say what three, four is going to be really close to pushing it. Obviously someone can go on to the practice squad, but I don't think you'd like to see that, you know, for Hunter long a year, you know, two years after you bring them in, you draft them, you trade up for him too. So it's going to be kind of uh another situation where is this going to be a guy that the you know front office is going to have to bite the bullet on or is there that way he can hit the field because he's a guy who, you know, he can't catch the ball better than Mike Kosicki, but he can definitely block better than him. And then you have Durham Smythe where he can't block as good as him, but he's definitely a better pass catcher. So does he, can he improve? I mean, this is a tall task too, but especially tight end, you know, we see a lot of those guys take two, three years to develop, but can he improve enough to be an outliner Outlier, excuse me, in terms of a better mismatch than either Durham Smythe or even Mike Kosicki this year.
1: I guess the good news is that they got the right coaching staff in place, right? We know what John Embry that I call him the tight end wizard. We know what he did with George Kittle, you know, throughout his career, just building up these tight ends. But dude, you're sitting here talking about it and we're mentioning all these guys, you know, these young players that the Dolphins drafted a few years ago. Mike McDaniel and his staff have no ties to these guys, right? So there's mm-hmm. no guarantee that any of I mean, okay, Noeg egg is probably going to stick around, right? Austin Jackson, obviously, but a guy like Hunter Long, I mean, if Durham Smite, Adam Shaheen, some of those guys find their way on top of him on the depth chart, and they need to make that roster spot. I mean, you mentioned these guys being able to go on the practice squad, but I, I just don't know, man. So that's just something to keep an eye on. And you did mention he can block better than Mike Isicki, But to me, I went back and tried to watch some of his practice tape. You know, I put out some propaganda the other day after we talked about It, it was a Duke game. But, I mean, he's basically he doesn't create much separations basically just using his big ass body to make those catches. So
2: Anthony he, Fasano,
1: Anthony Fasano style. So again, a little bit different of a tight end than what we expect from Mike Kasiki. I mean, Kosicki a glorified wide receiver. Let's be honest with that. But um, again, if anyone can take him to the next level, I think it could be John Embry and this offense and you hope it happens. Cause if it doesn't happen this year, at what point are we going to start saying Hunter Long's a bus, you know, go down the list of all the third round picks they should have traded up for um but again hopefully it doesn't come to that hopefully he steps up has a big season and then the dolphins have flexibility with Mike sicky man because we're looking at now they're paying him what 11 million dollars with the franchise tag i mean mm-hmm. uh, th- that's just not what he's getting paid after that najoku contract and some of those other things
2: yeah uh, i mean it's going to be a very interesting uh, situation there and of course man we had last year where people thought the dolphins just weren't targeting Mike sicky so they could pay him less so i mean you always got to keep that in mind maybe they'll just try to mark them down and not win games and play the long game. I don't freaking know, man. Some of the, some of the things we hear are, are pretty crazy, but we do want to hear from you guys out there. What do you think of our list? Are we missing anyone? Because I mean, Josh last year, the two guys that stood out to me, Zach Steeler, Javon Holland, they were great in camp. And then, Hey, Raquan Davis, he's missing a few games, Eric Rowe, he's in and out of the lineup and these guys really stepped up. So I think that's the big thing you can start to take away from June. You you start to get these trails of, Hey, is there a path of you know maybe there's one guy who misses a couple weeks and they sneak into that lineup and they just kind of fit what the Dolphins need? So let us know out there. You can tweet at us at houtz for how it's at jmendel Mendel ninety four for me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Insider Radio. We're hoping you guys have a wonderful weekend. Please 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 subscribe to the show if you are not already. And most importantly, above all else, fins up. Fins up.
0: Because we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami